Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Downrange. I'm Cody. Today we have a great guest for you, and that's Dave Baisden. Dave is a phenomenal artist. He does incredible pictures, most of them either acrylic or watercolor of golf landscapes. He does them of private clubs, of events, you name it in golf. Dave has probably done it. But he hasn't been doing this full-time for that long. And his story to get to becoming a full-time artist is fascinating. Anybody that's out there who has a dream, who inspires to be something else, this story is for you. His drive and determination to be able to be happy and do something in the creative space while still providing for his family got him to where he is today. This week is special, not only because of the President's Cup taking place at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, where Dave commissioned a custom piece for them that you can buy at the President's Cup merchandise tent, but also for us at NLU in our first annual Roost Club Championship. And the trophy this year is a custom-painted Yeti cooler by Dave Baisden. It's a phenomenal piece of artwork, and I can't wait for everybody to see it. As always, Downrange is presented by Mr. Ma Golf. Please visit them at www.mrmagolf.com. Follow them on Instagram at Mr. Ma Golf and check out their new fall colors that they have out in Holderness and Born Polos. The only spot where you can buy the one-armed hoodie. They have hats, t-shirts, you name it. Not just for adults, men and women, but also for your kids. Some really cool gear. Thank you to them for supporting the podcast and everything that they do. Here's Dave. Enjoy. Growing up, bunch of siblings, would you say you come from a close family? Yeah. Yeah, we all still keep in touch really close. Um, you know, we got a family text string that blows up on Saturdays when the Gamecocks are playing, and uh, half of them are, are Clemson Tigers, and so we they're not on that text string, but, you know, it's a, no, we're, we're good. We get together a couple times a year, all of us. Yeah, there's 10 grandkids for my parents, so yeah, was, yeah, we have a good time. I think most people would know you, obviously, from your incredible art that you produce. And I know getting to the point of being a full-time artist is a journey and something that I'm sure looking back was just a dream of yours. So where did you get the art bug from and when did that really happen? Well, first off, I think you said it was a dream, but honestly, like it was a dream that I didn't like, I didn't even know was possible. Like it was not ever on my radar to do what I'm doing now. So I think art has always just been part of my family. My mom's super creative. She um, she did a lot of sewing and that kind of, she painted a little bit. Evidently, my grandfather, who I, I didn't know, evidently he painted. Never seen any of his work, but I just think it was part of his makeup. And, um, and then my sister, is a, she's a full-time artist now. She was a teacher for a long time, but I think through seeing some of what I was doing and kind of how I was pursuing art, she also kind of felt like she could step out and do that. And 
she lives in Aiken and does beautiful work. So, yeah, so I always as a kid, I uh, was doing some kind of sketching. It was normally cartoons, something to do with Calvin and Hobbes or Garfield, or I was just I was just copying all of those, and it was constant. And I get in trouble at school for doodling, and you know, it sounded it looked like I wasn't listening. And I think we took my so my sister and I would sit around and paint quite a bit in the summers, and we went to a couple of art camps or something. And I remember getting in trouble one time. We were supposed to be painting landscapes, and I started painting some cartoon characters I had made up. And that was, I mean, that was, honestly, that was it. Like, we were always doing something drawing, and that was not, I never saw it as, like, a career option. For whatever reason, I just think it was just not something I pursued. I think my dad was an engineer for the same company for, you know, 30 years, 34 years, and that's what, you know, that's what you did. It was kind of, went to college, you got your job, you, you stayed there and kept working. So that's the route I took, and that journey came to a halt pretty quick a couple of years ago, so. Do you remember growing up when the doodling, your cartoons, and kind of, I don't want to say the imagination, but that phase kind of ended, and you started focusing on other things and you kind of put it to the side? No, I think it was always still like right off the side. So like whether I'm taking notes, class, it was always, you know, something, it, you know, once you're out of high school and nobody, or once you're in high school and then in college, you know, nobody's checking to see what you're drawing on your notes. And so it was always like maybe how it, I help, like it helps me process, you know, so whether I'm, even today, I still do it. So if I'm at church or in a meeting or, you know, I'm, I'm doodling, I'm drawing pictures of what, usually a good speaker is giving you good visuals anyway. So, you know, I take those and sketch them up. And I think before I even started painting and kind of was getting kind of the golf bug and, and doing cartoons of the majors, it was like, that was kind of my way in to like, how do, how do I process, even just sitting and watching golf was like, I, I could... I can visualize some of this on my own and capture that. And that was a fun, a fun challenge. I haven't done that in a while. I need to maybe pick some of that up again, but <laughs> you're saying you have too much free time on your hands now. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah so <laughs> much free. We'll see what comes out this week. If I'm out, maybe, I, maybe it's a cartoon instead of a painting. So. Right. So that's where it's always so fascinating to me to see doodlers and cartoonists and then most of them, like, you took a pretty major jump into, like, a ton of landscape stuff and very, very, very fine detail landscape work. You wouldn't say that. I don't know what you call in the, in the artist world, but from a, a, a nobody like me who can't even, I, like, when you, if you'd ask me to draw somebody, I'd draw a stick figure. And then I'd probably try to put a beard on it. It'd look, I, I'm sure I have some of my kids' drawings around here somewhere. That's what it would look like. Yeah, there you go. Right Listen, there. There's a lot of emotion and abstract in that. That's good. That's good. I mean, every, I don't even know, like when I started painting, it was, it was honestly, it was just because I got tired of saying I could paint. Like I, I, I would, would tell people I liked doing that, but I never did it, you know? So it was, and that was more like, I would say I could do it. And then, but I was afraid to even like put paint on paper. It was just, there was a hold up there. Do you know why? I don't know. I think it was just a fear of what, uh, what, not what people would say. It was more like, wouldn't want to disappoint my, myself in a way. Like I have what I, 
want it to be and it wouldn't get there. And so why even try if I can't even get it there? And I think I learned pretty quick that I used to think you had to paint and as soon as you put it on the, on the canvas, that's what it needed to look like. There was, you know, I quickly realized, oh no, you can paint, you can just paint over it. Like, and you can change the whole thing. You can get rid of the whole, you can start all over. You can, but I was always afraid. I think of like, I got it on there and I got it right. Then, you know, I need, I didn't want to mess that up, but you know, there's times where I paint over the stuff that I like and wish I hadn't, you know, and you kind of, you know, you're so used to the, the undo button on your phone. You almost kind of like, ah, oh, I wish I could just like take that paintbrush off. And yeah, so it's, uh, I don't know that I, I could, I still sketch, you know, so it's like, I think for some reason that loose, you know, idea of sketching is kind of helps, helps me when I'm laying out a painting, when I'm trying to capture ideas or something. So that, uh, all that, all that's still in there too. It's just, Painting, painting is a lot of fun, and I, I'm super just thankful I get to do it, that's for sure. So you graduated from college. What degree did you have? I got a biology degree. <laughs> that was, I thought I would go work for like Ducks Unlimited, somebody outside, so I, was, uh, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to do something. As I, when, I think when I was a senior in South Carolina, I took a, it was like a, a GIS class, you know, it's computer mapping. So I was like, man, I could, I could definitely get outside and do something with this and ended up at an engineering. Well, I ended up going to grad school in Charlotte, um, got my master's in geography and, um, it's like, well, this, and it was, it was, uh, it was that pretty much focused on computer mapping. And so, uh, that was a two year deal. I met my wife while I was there, ended up landing a job with an engineering firm and they were like, yeah, we're, we're using this program. We're going to, you'll come in and help us with um, like city planning stuff. So that was my only, only option at the time. So I took it. Uh, they kept me in Charlotte. Yeah, so that started a, uh, an 18-year career with a company that's a tough time. The ending might be tough, but it didn't start out that way. Well, no. No, and the ending was... It, 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 it became like I worked, the people I worked with were just were fantastic. Like, you know, you spend so much time with people every day. Uh, even if you don't always love the job, like the people made it great. So like I stuck with it. Uh, even within that job, I probably had five or six different careers. Honestly, like we did. That's where I learned graphic design on the job. I learned rendering. Like we did, um, we did huge design build jobs where, like before drones, so they'd fly a plane up, get some aerial photos of an interstate, and then I would pretty much just paint that in a computer on, in Photoshop, so what the job would look like. There was some creative stuff, and then we did some stream restoration work, which was, you know, that was my biology background. I got to go out and count trees and rocks and salamanders and all that kind of stuff that was pretty fun for a while and then yeah and then I ended up in their planning department which was even more creative so I did renderings of um of jobs that like that the planning department would come up with so it'd be a lot of fun um you know it, so there were there was good in that job like I learned a ton on the job I, re I think I realized I could use my creativity in engineering firm I could I could help visualize you know, a problem for people and a solution and 
present that. And that was like, it was super challenging. At the end of the day, I was like, this, I just didn't feel very, I didn't feel out of purpose in what I was doing. I'd come home and, you know, having worked on a computer all day and my wife could tell I was not, I didn't do anything creative that day or that week or that month. And it was just like, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. That's when I just, it's like, I'm picking up, I'm picking up a paintbrush. I don't care. I don't know what it's going to look like. I think I was 39. I was, yeah. So I was almost 40 and I was like, <laughs> not a midlife crisis, but in a way it was just like, I'm done with it. Like I, I'm done saying I can't do it. I'm just going to try. And why, why did you turn to paint? It was just what I, it was the one thing that I loved as a, as a kid, maybe that I never tried again. It was like 30 years of not touching a paintbrush. And I think I always thought like to be an artist, you had to, you had to go to art school. You had to know all this theory about color. You had to know, um, you know lighting and materials. And I didn't know, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what type of brushes, type of paints, type of canvas, anything. Finally, uh, yeah, I talked to a buddy of mine at church and he was like, listen, just, just start on something, you know, you like, so I started with little watercolors. They were, you know, five by seven, something small, easy to clean up. You know, I had kids, I didn't have a, I didn't have an art room or anything. So it was just like, I need to be able to do it on the couch and put it away and bring it back out the next night. So, so I, yeah, that's what I did. It was, and it was, it was, yeah, it was fun to just kind of experiment and see, like, I didn't have to, I didn't have to know what materials I was using. I didn't have to have the best paint or the best brushes or anything. It was just, let's give it a go. It, it was almost, the fear was just, I don't even know why it was even there. I mean, like, I could probably dig in and figure that out. But on the other side of that, it's just, it's been just unbelievable. So you became fulfilled by it pretty quick. Whatever void that was missing, it quickly became watercolor. For me, it's like to know that I was created in a way that like that's in me. You know, so you may have your own your own gifts, your own talents, and you know, my wife has hers, and um, and so for me, it's it was in there, and it was something that I was like never I was not using, and I felt like I had to, and so yeah, it was more like. It was, in a way, I was—I felt fulfilled, with, like that I had that I was doing that. But it was—it was more like I was using something that I was create that was created in me, and it was like what I didn't know. I had no, again, I had no dream of what that would be. It was just like I had to do, I had to create, and so that was the first step: was sit on the couch and painting Augusta. At the time, did you? Yeah, at the time, did you? I mean, you played golf probably your whole life, but was golf a part of your life then? At the time, golf has always kind of been like I grew up playing baseball and basketball. I mean, those were my main sports. Golf was kind of I had a buddy in high school who played for the golf team, and we'd always just go out and hack it around. And he tried to teach me a few things. And so golf was golf was always a challenge, and I never like invested the time. And when I got college, it was even further down the line. Uh, once I got married, it was even further down the line. And then I feel like art and golf kind of found me at the same time. I don't know. It was a weird, it was a weird coming together of, it's not like I was reaching to paint golf. Like that just wasn't, was going to, you know, that was not there. I was like, I, I enjoy, I love sports history and 
you know, good characters and people. Golf has all of that. I've always loved that about golf. Um, even if I wasn't good at golf, I, I loved watching it. I loved being around it, amazed by people that could do it. I still am. I think golf has become, again, it's the people. Like, I just keep meeting fantastic people. Art has brought me an amazing collection of people in my life. I can't. Not only do they keep pushing my art forward, they just keep just keep meeting good people, good friends, good people that just keep encouraging what I'm doing. So when you started doing watercolors on the couch, what was the the timeline and thought process to where you got to turning away from that job, your full-time job, the money that you use to support your family and take a leap of faith and say, I can do this full-time, support my family, and this is going to be able to provide for everything. That timeline was, looking back, it's a lot quicker than I, like if I were to plan it out, it would it would take a long time in my mind. From that time, it was probably two, maybe two years before like somebody saw what I was doing. The, probably the first guy, his name was Graylin Loomis. He worked, uh, he worked for Lynx Magazine for a while. He, at the time, he had a, a website where he helped um, plan Scottish golf trips for people. He went to school over there. I, I guess he's in Asheville now, but he saw my work on Twitter because at the time I just was like, put it up on Twitter, see what happens. Um, just, it was kind of another step in, in overcoming that fear was like letting people see what I was doing. He said, can I do an interview with you? I'll put it on my website. If you'll just paint a couple pieces for me, I'll put it alongside on my website. So I did a, a painting of uh, St. Andrews and a painting of Cyprus. Those are my first two commissions, right? <laughs> so he puts my interview up there on his website, and it was like, he's like, it's up, it's live, go check it out. So I went up there, and it was alongside, like, Lee Wybranski and uh, Linda Hartall and all these people who I just had admired, had gotten to, to know their work as I went to, to golf, and um, and their work just stood out, and I was I was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Putting my work next to theirs. And I don't know. I was kind of a shock to my system just to be like somebody saw something that they thought other people needed to see, which was amazing. Pretty grateful for that guy. At this point in the interview, we're clearly struggling with Wi-Fi issues. So in order to get you up to speed, I'll catch you up on the parts that I had to cut out. Dave just got done discussing the first two custom pieces. Shortly after that, using social media as his tool, he started posting more and more watercolors, sketches, and one-day little looks of cartoons from major championships. Akbar at Seamus Golf found him on social media and sent him a random DM. Here's Dave with more. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, I was at the Tour Championship, did a watercolor of Matt Kuchar's head covers. I just thought they were so different. and um, Found out they were, like, Seamus made them. So I tagged Akbar in this post of uh painting of his head covers and akbar loved them and was like you know dave this is great love to love to have this or you know what how can i get it and i was like well i'll just send it to you i'm not like like and this is all awesome. social media chat at the time i'm guessing all social media all instagram yeah it was <laughs> like instagram was super new and it was just a way to you know you could i don't know that i would be doing what i was doing without it like i can't imagine building an art career without it's just so easy to have your work seen now and to reach audiences and 
yeah, Akbar was just like, let's, he said, we got to do something. You know, what do you do? <laughs> Basically, he was like, what do you do? I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what, you know, what do you have in mind? And we started batting around some ideas. And so we, I, I went from this like little watercolor that we did. I think a year later, we, he's like, we've got this five foot by eight foot canvas. How would you do that? Like, I was like, I, I never even like considered painting that big, but I was like, yeah, let's go. We can do that. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. And um, so he wanted it as the backdrop of their PGA show booth. And um, I didn't know what the PGA show was. I was like, okay, all right, let's, we'll figure this out. Now, hold on. Um, so I we, know you're bad with dates, yeah. but like what year is this? <laughs> I mean, that's got to be 2017-ish. Okay. Something like that. Maybe 2018. Yeah. Yeah, I'm real bad. So we, we, so I, I did the painting. He was like, well, that's the, that's the canvas. This is the canvas we used when we make our head covers. And so he was like, could you paint on, you know, something, we'll just make them into a head cover. And I was like, yeah, well, like what kind of, you know, let's come up with some themes some ideas. And he's like, well, uh, you know, Matt Kuchar uses our, our stuff. So maybe we just like, First, we we said, well, let's do some Augusta scenes. And he's like, well, maybe we'll just, maybe let's make them for Matt. And so we personalized them. Like, with the top of one of them, I did a yellow jacket because he went to Georgia Tech. And a couple other things we did, just kind of personalize them. So they're hand-painted. And, you know, it's like, that was, I thought that was cool. He'd have them at the show. We would He would show them off and, you know, just kind of be fun. And have you worked with, with like, canvas that was going to be used on a head cover. It's not something that's going to be like displayed. It, it needs to be able to withstand some sort of wear and tear. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea if it would, if it would last or what would happen to it. But so I primed it like I would no do a normal canvas. Uh, Cause what he gave me was just a raw canvas. And then uh, we, so I primed it, used acrylic paint and then just did a, like a, a gloss varnish on it that, that is says it's flexible so it can give and, so alongside of those, I made one of the North Carolina flag. And so I because I, I wanted to see what it would do, how it would last. And I would just throw it all my clubs in the trunk of my car. And, you know, and Charlotte, it's, you know, it's 100 degrees in the summer. It's, you know, it gets pretty cold in the winter, you know. So I would just leave it all back there, I'd, you know, take it to the course, just try to beat it up. And I still use it now. And that was, you know six years ago. See, I'm terrible, terrible with math. So yeah, five, six years ago, whatever. I don't care. It was a long time ago. And the thing is still going, it's got, you know, it's got cracks and, um, you know, the paint has kind of cracked a little bit, but none of it's fallen off. Like I'm just shocked that it's still usable. Yeah. So, so from there, I think, I think I'm at just to go back, Akbar just was so excited for what I was doing. So he was like the next person who was like, Dave, you just got to keep whatever you're doing, just keep doing something, keep showing it and keep, keep pushing. And he had some great advice, you know, just kind of business wise. And I still didn't see it as a business or anything. It was just like, it was a little extra for our family. And you're very much still working full time in your job still. Yeah. Full time job. But at, I was I was at the point in my job where I was either going to have to go find something else 
for as a graphic designer and engineering firm that was kind of a ceiling. You know, it was I was I didn't want to go to management. I didn't want to like do the team. This is not what I wanted to do. So you get your first custom run done with Seamus and kind of what was next? Next was uh through I think through that, a guy in San Francisco family, his name is Jason Yip. He runs State Apparel. They make really cool like rain pants and gear and now they do some um some pretty sweet head covers made out of like recycled sails and I think I've seen one on TC's back, but he was like, Hey, I've got this store in San Francisco in the Marina District. You know, it's pretty small, but you know, we have like a track man in there and people come by and just hang out and uh, he's like oh, if I flew you out here, would you paint a mural on the outside of my building? And I laughed still because it was, I went from like two years, like painting it seriously, like a five by seven note card to um, he's asked me to paint the side of his building. I was like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> there had to be fear in that decision. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I thought about it a lot. I planned it out. We sketched it out. And the whole time I was like, Jason, I don't, you know, I want to be, I want to be up front that I haven't really done this before. Uh, he's totally fine. Like, listen, we'll just paint over it if it, you know, if it doesn't work out, whatever. And super nice guy. He had me, let me stay with his family for a couple of days. And then my family flew out and we, we got to hang out in San Francisco together. They got to see me painting on this building and I was really fun. The shop has since closed and they painted over it, but it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> what, what happened to the shop? I don't know if it was, I don't think it was COVID related, but he just kind of, refocus some of the business from like a storefront to um online which makes total sense for what he's doing but um yeah and especially in that you know that rent district's got to be pretty pretty steep but the location was so good and it was so fun to be able to see that now not only was he he was recognizing my art he was paying me to do a job and i got to bring my family along for the ride and i was like Okay, this is that's kind of a game changer on how I was processing what I was doing, and 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 it was ch like I enjoy being continually challenged, you know, like anybody. If you're, you, I probably sat at my job for you know fifteen or eighteen years, and, and there were very few days that were that were challenging. You know, it was just like here's your job, you can do it, and I had to challenge myself in that job. I think. And so now opportunities were being given to me that I was like, all right, this is, I know I can do it, but now I got to, I got to figure out how to do it. Like I love doing that mural. I didn't like all of it, but I liked a lot of it. And so I'm not great at painting people. And one, one part of the mural was the sharp park is out there and Alistair McKenzie, McKenzie designed it. And so he wanted like a portrait of Alistair McKenzie on there. And I'm very glad it's been painted over. I think I probably scared any kid that walked by there, just not a good, just not a good portrait artist. So you still have a picture. I'm of sure. You have yeah, to. it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody has a, a weakness. At least you can I admit, admit I yours. I admit it, and I'm in awe of anyone who can paint people. I just, it's very, it's very easy to go sideways and make create something that's not recognizable. I feel for, uh, who was it? The, the courtroom artist that painted Tom Brady or like yes. sculptor yes. that did Ronaldo. Like I, that's how I, you got to know going into that, that I don't know. It may not turn out how you think it's going to be. 
<laughs> so I don't do a lot of portraits. I stick to landscapes, thankfully. It sounds like just through developing like your social media contacts and putting your work out there that not only have you started to have a lot of people invest and believe in the artwork that you're making, but over time you had a ton of people coming and motivating, inspiring, and like driving you to, to say, Hey, this isn't just a hobby, Dave, like you can do something with this. So those early mentors, what do you think that they saw in you that made them invest in your products? I think what I was doing is maybe a little bit different than was out there. And even though like what the art that has been in the golf world and continues, like I've been inspired by all of it. Like there's such, so much talent, you know, there's just a lot of good. And I feel like golf has, has really started to embrace creativity and so many, so many facets. But for me, it was, and I think part of it, it kind of goes back to the whole fear thing. Like even when I started painting, I think one of the things I felt like I had to know what my style was going to be. I had to know what the painting was going to look like to even start the painting. And I had no clue what that was going to be when I first started. So even now, like, you know, somebody will say, well, that's, that's clearly yours. Like I can tell that that's your painting. And I don't know, I don't know how I got to that point. Like, I guess it's just the more you do it, the more, you know, whether it's muscle memory or whatever it is, it's how you get the paint on there and how I see the, you know, the image in my head, I guess it's kind of created that style. So yeah, the, it's, it really has been whatever they saw, like, it was just person after person. So it was Akbar, and then it was Jason, and then it was Graylin, and then Akbar, Jason, and then um, probably after that was probably Zach, which is kind of where our story kind of comes together. But like Zach is one of the most creative. Zach Blair is one of the most creative guys I know. Just like the way his brain works, and just the ideas he has, and the, he he just reached out and was like, "Listen, I'm doing this Ringer event. Watch." Why don't you just bring some paintings with you and then just hang out with us? And that was, I mean, that was probably 2019, I think, right? I don't know, the first ringer. Um, yep. I was definitely playing more golf, but I, I was reluctant to play at the ringer uh, until I walked up. Did you I, know what Sweetens I, was? I, yeah, I knew what Sweetens was. I was definitely in golf I just was not good at golf and I'm still not good but I think when I walked onto that course that was probably the next direction change in my art career it was it was the course but it was it was the people like as soon as I walked up I had met Jay Rebel online and we had just chatted a little bit I knew he was going to be there he was coming off of nine they were going to start another another round on and he was like Dave just come walk with us He's like, you could, they were doing a three club challenge. I had no clue what that was. I was like, all right, what, what? He's like, you can use mine. And so I just, I walked with them and it was like, they could care less what my swing looked like. They wanted me to, you know, just have fun, keep moving, chatting, whatever, like just be out there and do it. And then I saw Zach, you know, he's wearing Nike boots and a long sleeve t-shirt. And I was like, this is, this is different. And and it was just like totally changed everything. 
Like I wanted more golf. I wanted more interactions with the game and people in the game. And as I, as I talked with them, they were just excited about what I was doing. They wanted more of that. And yeah, so it was just like Zach came along and just pushed it to the next level. Yeah, from there, it's just been silly. So 2019, when did you end up leaving your big boy corporate job? 2020, like a lot of people, COVID, I could see at the beginning of COVID, my job had kind of already, I could tell it was, it was slowing down. I think in the industry we were in, planning departments, I guess, weren't looking to do a ton of work. And as a creative in that department, I was kind of, I knew I was kind of on the edge of if something were to happen, then I'm, I'm probably gone. So I approached my boss and was like, listen, I, I, I can I imagine you're having conversations. Can we just talk? So my wife and I had already, we kind of picked out the fall of 2020 to be, like we needed to decide something by then because something had to change. I had, I had way too many commissions to do. I couldn't do my day job well enough. And then, and then like that work was slowly decreasing and my painting work was increasing. So I was spending more time painting than I was doing my job. And it was like, that felt wrong altogether anyway. So I approached my boss and he was like, we'll figure it out. We have had conversations and, um, he was in that whole, whole thing. He just fought for me to get the best deal to get out. He, he was always supportive of my creativity was always finding new ways to use the work that I enjoyed doing. But he also knew it was a, a, a job. I need, and same with me. It's like, I, I knew not every day was I going to be able to be creative, but I could be, um, I knew he was, he appreciated what I did. So anyway, it was 2020 when, um, that summer that I left that job you know, we got a nice severance package. We had a comfortable backlog of work that I felt like could carry us for a while just to give it a go and see. Because I, I, at that point, I was like, I think I read, I don't know if I read a, a blog or something. It was just like, the guy who I was reading was like, shame on me if I don't, if I don't take this direction. And that's what I felt was like, I will regret this moment if I, if I, just go to another job if I don't give this a try. And I think there was there was a lot of confirmation from uh, the people that were around me, the conversations I was having, and um, just a ton of confirmation that that was what I needed to do. So things changed that year a little bit. That was a crazy year. Seems forever ago. Do you think you would have made that jump even without COVID kind of upending the world? I've always said it took like a, a pandemic to get me to take that step. Like, I don't know. I think I like to think I was at the point where I, I, I had to do it. But at that time, I like to think I would, but it did. It did. Uh, <laughs> it did push me to do it. So I think I would have had to, I think they would have fired me anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of people probably in similar situations, like, I did have confirmation from just talking to my wife. She was excited about, like she knew that I was going to get to do something that I enjoyed and she believed it, that that could help and support our family. I don't know. I was like, I don't know why 
but she uh, she was a big you know encourager in that. Yeah, there was a, a group of families we met with from our church, and it was you know they kind of rallied around and were like, "Dave, this is you know they were just super encouraging." Um, they're like, "If it doesn't work, like you'll find something else. Like you have to you like now is the time you have to try it." And it was it was a lot of that. You know, I felt like there were people around me who were not just wanting me to to give it a try, but they were like, "We're going to support you." And help you where you need it yeah. if you need it, and very few, um, like probably zero negative voices, you know, other than what was in my own head. So, uh, which you don't want to, you don't want to be there. You <laughs> well, played that's golf good. with that me. Means you don't want to be in my head. So, right. That <laughs> <laughs> means you're surrounded by uh, the right people in your guys's life. And I understand what you're saying is that it is a large step, not only to reach out and and do something that is solely you and that your name will be behind. But ultimately like you think of, would you regret this decision? Is this a bad decision? Is this a bad decision financially? Is this a bad decision for my overall, you know, family's well-being? And, you know, you kind of take this giant, leap of faith and you bet completely on yourself and it's so inspiring to see and i say that because i like i gave up a a a career of my own to like go do something that i never in my wildest dreams would have ever been like even think of doing i used to lead like i was in charge of 47 people you know doing like the most sensitive stuff that our government can tell us to do. Now I wake up every morning and I get on my phone and I'll go in and check my Slack messages or go into a Google call with was six, now seven, now eight of the coolest creative people that I've ever been around in my life. And it's like so inspiring to me. And I look back and I'm like, man, if it wasn't for my wife who was like, Hey, like, I understand that you, you're you very good at your job. You love your job, but your job is killing you. And we are not going to be together. And I fear that you will no longer be together unless you make a drastic change. And she finally pushed me off the ledge. And I was like, you know what? You're right. There is, like, there's a new part. I have an entire, like, side of my my mind, my life, that I want to live and I want to be there for my kids and my family and still be able to support them, but be fulfilled and like be happy. That's crazy. Our jobs were very different, obviously, but like you loved your job. I didn't, I didn't love my job, (laughs) but in a way it was, it was killing me too. Like, like you were living, I was living like a, I would say like a purpose, not a purposeless life, but like there was little passion in what I was doing. I like, I loved my family. I was there. I was doing that job to support my family. I felt like that was the only route I had at that time. All right. Even before you decided to go full time, where did you come up with the business that would be, you know, your artwork? Where did you come up with, this is what it's going to cost me. I mean, you're starting to get commissioned requests in. People are wanting you to paint and come up with things, but where did you even start that side of it from? 
I think because it was such a gradual, it was a quick growth, but it was gradual in a way that I could, I could figure out the process of like what it takes to, to fulfill a commission. And then I was painting on Thursday nights with a buddy of mine. He does the abstract work. His name's Josh Jensen. He's in Charlotte, but he, um, he really challenged me to paint bigger, to offer bigger uh, paintings, and he kind of helped me with pricing. And we worked out how to build our frames so that, like, so he would. We kind of figured that stuff out together. We'd bat, you know, kind of bat things off of each other. He was kind of figuring it out at the same time. Like, he's a counselor, and so his, he would make his own schedule. And so painting got to be pretty busy for him as well. But I think he. He finds a lot of purpose in his counseling, obviously, and so he hasn't gone full full painting, but he's he's doing really well. And so it was fun to kind of work on that with somebody without it being like we were just trying to figure out what the next step was. So um so through that I kind of figure out what what it takes to how much time kind of to, to fulfill a commission without feeling like people are waiting on you for a long time. And then it was just kind of gradually scaling that up a little bit. Uh, I had a couple of guys here or in Charlotte, you know, encourage me to, if you're going to make this a full-time thing, just kind of gradually raise your prices. Like you have to do that to, in order to make it sustainable. Um, I still feel like, um, like I want to offer a fair price for what someone's getting. So they're paying for my time thankfully in in painting like the supplies are not it's not the supplies that cost so much you know it's the time and you know and the creative process is is a big part of it so yeah so it's learning a lot of those things and you know like you i never envisioned working like for myself or like i said my dad worked for the same job for ever the same company and it was just kind of ingrained in me that that's what I would do too. So I, I never took business classes. I'm learning as I go. I'm not, I'm not doing a great job of, um, I got a lot to learn still. So, but it's working and for like, it's so much fun to, to have my family be a part of it. Like my son went to the president's cup with me on Saturday, just kind of, it was the pre-sale. So we were in the merch tent through some connections. I was able to do the poster for the president's cup and just, to have him sit with me and be excited to watch me you know, sign somebody's poster or talk to the director of the first tee in Charlotte's a good friend. So he came by and chatted with Preston and he's all excited to go back to whenever we do that again. So <laughs> it'll be fun to have the family in. They're going to come on Friday at the President's Cup and hang out. and It'll be a lot of fun. So, so we're looking at your the piece that you're talking about, 2022 President's Cup. At Quail Hollow. Now, I know you've spent a ton of time in Charlotte, but talk to me, like, what is the actual timeline from initial, I'm guessing, request or or your creative process to ultimately getting these pieces finished and to where you're at on Sunday where you're you're signing pieces and, and there for meet and greets and stuff? I think we started talking about this piece back in um, maybe January or February. A good friend of mine, you, I think you know Danny, 
Christensen introduced me to Adam Sperling, who's the executive director. We met actually right, probably right before I left my job. He was, it, yeah, it was the beginning of COVID when we met and just kind of, he was excited to meet, you know, a Charlotte artist and to see how we could partner. And we threw around tons of different ideas and felt like this was kind of the best approach to be able to work together. So I did two original pieces and we chose one that we felt like kind of would fit for a poster the best. And then did one other original that is of the first T setup that they have. Those are on site. So it's been fun. I think, I think we'll do maybe a gift for the, for the club and um, some other fun stuff related to it. But Adam has been fantastic to work with. Their whole team is just super easy to say, you know, this is, this is kind of my first, I did a poster for a U.S. Senior Am a couple of years ago, and that was probably my first, like, to take a, a painting and turn it into, you know, kind of a large-scale print like that. But um, obviously this is, this is kind of new territory for me. But again, it was through a connection from a friend who was just like, Dave, I want, think you just need to meet this guy, Adam. He can you can do something and, and you guys could do something together. So that was a lot of fun to put together. What does it feel going to the president's cup? Very large event and seeing your work there. <laughs> it's funny. I, so we showed up on Saturday for this, for the pre-sale. There's, you know, there's some people walking around. I don't, I think when we get down there on, on Thursday, it'll be a little more of a shock, but to walk in and just see like they had my own like setup done with a light for the you know to shine on the painting they had the posters all wrapped in the tubes already it just i don't know it felt it felt like there was a team behind me rather than me doing every inch of what i'm doing so if i'm doing a print for a club i do the painting i I work with my printer you know i ship them all out i sign them package them all up the family helps me package most most of those and so to have kind of a team do that for me was just like that I don't know and to walk in and have it ready to go was yeah it felt different <laughs> that's for sure it's a lot different than looking at those five by seven watercolors on the end of your couch yeah so yeah it's gonna be a while to be down there but I don't know it's just it's like I said it's just been it was fun to have my son there it's fun to have my family come to see what I'm doing and we just laugh like my wife and I sometimes just laugh about like that I get to do something that I love and I'm so grateful for it. You know, there's, it's fun to see. And then it's fun to see like golf kind of just being more creative, collecting more creative graphic designers. There's artists, there's musicians, whatever it is. I think like I always wanted to have work at the Southeastern wildlife exposition, which in, in Charleston. So it's a huge outdoor sporting arts kind of thing. And you know, if you go there, it's, it's a ballroom full of who knows how many artists, you know, there's probably tons of people painting bears and fish and it's a room full of artists and anyone can gravitate towards whatever art they feel speaks to them. Right. And so the more there's more the more creativity that's out there, the more people can see what what they align with or you know what style they, they enjoy. And so I just love being a part of it. It's been, you know, I don't know where it's going from here, but it's, it's been a, a ton of fun. So meeting guys like. You know, you guys and, you know, being able to, you know, be at Sweetens with, you, you know, that's where I first met, you know, the No Laying Up crew and um, to see where you guys have gone and to be 
yeah, it's just, it's wild. It's a good time. Yeah, it's, it's a good, definitely a good time to be creative in the golf space. No matter what side of golf you're looking at, too. I, I kind of view it as golf is exactly the events that, that you and I met at. It's not at all really what's playing out this week in Charlotte at the President's Cup or really the golf that we watch on TV. Like I relate more with the golf that is familiar to me. And it's funny looking at it sometimes because we, from the knowing up business side of it, our golf is most of the time the professional, both men and women on every tour. And as crazy as it gets sometimes, I'm like, man, the current state of the game couldn't be like, it's just moving further and further away from like what I see and enjoy and feel about golf. Part of that, the next thing that I want to, uh, show and see if you can talk a little bit about but so the president's cup might be might be going on this weekend but that's not the most important event for this company all right exactly exactly let's go so a phenomenal one of one piece on our our proud uh sponsor thank you to yeti for providing us this an awesome cooler but talk to me about this yeah, I, it's funny. It's um, it goes back to actually that same um, sporting arts kind of like I, when I. It's funny that it goes all the way back to when I first started painting. So I, I painted when I first started with watercolors. It was it was um, golf and it was like uh, landscapes and it was trout, like just fishing outdoors and golf is what I was painting and. I came across this guy who uh, he painted on a Yeti cooler. I think he painted like a turkey hunting scene. And I was like, man, that is like, how do you even do that? Like, who wants that? Or what, how do you even, where does that even start? So anyway, that's, I mean, that's, so that's like years back. I've wanted to do something similar. And um, I saw you guys, you know, had a, had a um, relationship with Yeti. And I was like, you know what, this might be, the time to give it a try and you guys were more than willing to shoot your shot buddy i love it yeah uh and it was just it was i don't know you guys were willing to give it a go so i'm excited to um it was a lot of fun it was a challenge uh i got some kinks to work out if we do it again but i think it turned out pretty good pretty sweet well you're gonna do it again that's that's for sure i'm ready (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing is that I, your pieces not only like invoke emotion from whoever looks at it or, or, you know, sees it anywhere, or if you're lucky enough to, to own one, but ultimately like it's, it brings back such a vivid memory. Mm. And I think your ability to capture those moments is something that like stands out so so much to me it's phenomenal man interesting i love that thank you i mean i think i want when somebody sees what i paint i want them to not just see like if i'm painting a golf hole i don't want them to just see the golf hole i want them to kind of in a way yeah feel what it was like to to walk that hole or get as close to like some of the details i mean you said earlier that it's detailed and it is it's also fuzzy, right? Like you don't, yeah. 
like the bunkers are going to be in the right place. The, you know, the angle is going to be right, but it's also fuzzy enough to be like, I gotta, I'm experiencing it in a way where I have to use my memory to figure, to finalize the, the image, I think in a way, yeah. I don't, if that makes any sense. No, you know, absolutely. Just, you said memory. I was going to say my like imagination because a lot of the things that I see, I'm like, you know, I didn't hit that shot. Like looking at the Quail Hollow piece, I know on Sunday when they show a down the line shot uh, from going up 18, I'm going to, the first thought that I'm going to think of is not the high res photo that they're showing on TV. It's your art piece. Yeah. That's a, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. You, like I put a lot of, I put a lot of, myself into it you know in a way it's like I want it to be at the same time I question the result right like you always you're always your hardest your toughest critic you yeah. know but when I see people interact with my work in a way that it sometimes it's, it kind of shocks me and, it, and it's like I'm I'm honored to be a part of that in a way do you struggle with a little bit of like pursuit of perfection my wife would not say I'm a perfectionist, so we'll get that out. It's not, it's in a way, it's like each painting, I feel like in the middle of it, you have this moment where you're like, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I should not even be working on this, right? Like, I shouldn't be doing this. It's never going to, it's not going to come together. Uh, why am I even doing this? So, actually, I was working on a piece uh, yesterday. Same thing. And it's like I can see it coming. I know it's going to be in, like in the middle of the painting. I'm going to doubt that this will ever be what I want it to be. And then slowly it, I put one stroke down and I'm like, well, that that's a good direction, you know? So I don't know that it's perfection, but it's I feel like I know when it's done. And sometimes I, it, I may push that a little longer than I, than I want. But. You kind of know when it's done. You got to know when to put the paintbrush down, and sometimes that's harder than than other times. So, I'm sure. I could only imagine. I'm like that when I'm outside cutting my grass. You know, I try to get my my mowing stripes as straight as I possibly can, and then I want to redo it again. Well, yeah, that's a. <laughs> do you do your yard the same way every time, or do you you got to rotate the stripes, right? I rotate it. But I'm always leaning up to like that one good cut. I know that like, oh, I'm gonna have like these three bad cuts because I'm I'm working, I'm trying to yeah. maximize the growth of that grass out there and make sure that the soil, everything's right. Well, Texas is um, it's a work in progress. New house, new grass. I, I mean, this is a like a two year process here. Right? <laughs> You're killing me. Just before, just before I got on this call, actually, I was outside cutting the grass. We moved into a house where the yard is way better than our old house, and so I'm just trying to keep it green. So for <laughs> that's I've, have you guys been getting crazy rain there? Yeah, we get like a for a while we were getting like an afternoon shower every day for weeks. Talking to guys back in Pinehurst, and they're like, man, it seems like it just hasn't like stopped raining since you left. I come out here, it's still like 105 degrees. My like, everything's burning <laughs> up. It's crazy. Different world. I can't. I couldn't. Even when I drove to work, I couldn't go the same way every day. I think there's something about, obviously you can't, you're not supposed to cut your grass the same way, right? So it's got to grow. But like, I don't, I don't start a painting the same way every time. I don't, I don't have like a process or a certain time of day that I paint. 
I'm just not a very systems oriented guy, I guess. It's how to put Obviously, it, you're one of your, a couple of your most known pieces are because you decided to paint them with golf tees. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just keep trying, you try new stuff. Like, to paint on a cooler was not, it was something I wanted to do. It's like, I'm not ever really going to have the opportunity to do it. Maybe these guys would want to do it. And of course they do. Oh, watch yourself. Somebody's going to start shipping you. You're going to end up with a dozen the big Yeti coolers in your driveway. Yeah. Neil's already, he's got my new address. He's ready to, <laughs> I think he's, he's sending them direct from Yeti now. So cool. Exactly. We got something <laughs> cooking later on in the fall. I think you're going to be happy about it too. Thank you guys for wanting to do it. Of course. Of course. Your art speaks to me. I think you're able to capture people's emotions and, uh, you know, put their memories down on canvas or on coolers and give them pieces that, that truly last for a lifetime. And I know my, my wife loves art and we walk around and she shows me things all the time. And I'm like, what? I can't, I don't know what this is. This doesn't look like anything. And I don't think it's just the golf connection because at the end of the day, it's probably what I do love about golf the most is just being out outdoors, being on grass and trees and, and having the camaraderie with whoever you're with for however long that round of golf is that it lasts a lifetime. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you struggling through the connection issues with me. It's going to be a hell of an edit. Uh, on the backside because I'm going to have to piece like eight different sections together. It'll be well worth it. Well, I appreciate the effort that... Uh, sorry you have to go through that. that was, <laughs> I think that one's on me. I'll take that one. <laughs> no. Anything we're leaving on the uh, on the cutting room floor that you want to want to talk about? No, I, I just... I appreciate, you know, that you guys would be willing to, first of all, you know, try something new and... Um, and then, I, I mean, I know, like, I mean, I watch all the stuff you guys put out. I'm just so blown away by the by the work you guys do, the, um, the fun you guys are having. And you just, you put that out for a lot of people. And a lot of people, um, myself included, just, I mean, I eat it up. So you guys are, you're killing it. So, and I love, I love everything you put out. Honored to be working with you guys a little bit here and excited for what we'll do down the road and can't wait to tee it up again sometime with you. Absolutely. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man.